podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that can state confidently it will not be found in the Paradise Papers. This week on Heart and Hand, victory over Partick Thistle has them crying into their hipster beards. So welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar, I'm your host and I'm joined this week by Stephen Smith. Good afternoon David, how are you? I am, well I'm good. The pod has been delayed slightly as people may have noticed and that was due to the fact that, as I have mentioned on the podcast before, I'm currently um, moving house or in the process of it and we're getting, you know, there's, there's light at the end of this particularly long tunnel but uh, the other day um, I, there was a DIY emergency so I did what what you know any any real red blooded male would do, and I phoned my dad and said, "Can you come and fix it?" Absolutely. Us? And when he arrived, he uh, decided to fix something else. Well, it involved. He said, "Can you just hold this table? It's got a sugarly leg. Can you just hold it, and I'll uh, and I'll go to work on it." So as I went to hold it, the leg on it collapsed throwing everything downwards to where I was crouched, ready to hold it, uh, including an enormous fucking brass clock. Um, as, as some of you may know, my wife's a huge fan of um, vintage uh, vintage uh, furniture. And, dangerous, uh, dangerous, dangerous vintage dangerous, Yes, dangerous killing machine furniture. And this brass yep. clock um, fell and smashed me right in the head, knocking me. Genuinely, I, I was you know as unintelligible as Scott Brown after a short foot of Lego. And uh, lying there, literally seeing stars. And, and uh, not, not, of the, not of the Brian Loudrup uh, fashion. So... Uh, what made the, the experience uh, memorable in a way was that I got a concussion out of it which made the rest of the day absolutely unmemorable as I couldn't remember much about it but uh, I, I'm all, I will be touched by Sally's reaction when, when it was told to her what had happened she said, is the clock alright? and I said <coughs> and I said, yes yeah. I said, yes the clock is alright it's a big fucking brass clock whose yeah. fall was broken by my somewhat so, and now significantly softer head. So, mild yeah. concussion suffered, and uh, yesterday I sounded like a drunk. Today, if I say anything along the lines of, you know, well, for manager, I would see what Dick Campbell is up to these days, then please, <laughs> you know, blame it on that. So, if I make less sense than usual, you'll know what it is. But uh, okay. So, with that in mind, uh, let's go back to Saturday, where obviously I will refer to my extensive notes, because uh, <laughs> the last few Days are a bit of a blur, but um, <laughs> a fairly uh, and almost in a way uh, uh, an almost enjoyably dull win, if that makes sense, because it, it looks on paper and should always be to Rangers, Partick Thistle at home, a routine victory. That, that that's just what it should be, and it was. Uh, Rangers didn't. I, I don't think they started particularly well. Um, nope. Thistle, who you know, had clearly decided that they were looking to defend and defend from the front. They had two strikers and they played. I what, played what, two up front. Yeah, my, when I watched the game in the stadium, my, my thought was that they had you know ten men behind the ball and they they, they didn't really. I mean, it was a defensively minded set up in terms of that the forward players had obviously been told what their job was. So they had two up front who were to press the goal keeper and the defenders and for half an hour it kind of helped cancel us out I didn't think we played with particularly much pace and we struggled a little bit however 
when it was starting to get a little bogged down, an excellently worked corner, very, very well worked corner, um, led to a, a terrific ball in at the box and young Ross McCrory, a great header, uh, slams into the back of the net, 1-0. And from then, Rangers relaxed and uh, just began to play really good football. And before half-time, could have had another couple and deserved the other one they got when, after a magnificent run from uh, Jason Holt, uh, yep. And also good work from Daniel Candias, who then who uh, made a run. Candias, Candias, the run Davey, as yes. I said to you at the time, you know, took two defenders took two around, out. created the space for all. Uh, so it was nice that he got the goal. He got the goal that. because uh, a good save for the keeper, but it fell to Candias. Still had a bit to do, it was a good finish. Um, uh, and at the second half, you got the impression that a goal would kill it. And after uh, a few minutes, it did, when a mistake from Thistle put Josh Windass clear. And... Looking like a different player from when I, I, I said this at the time, I, I don't think two weeks ago he scores that. But to me, he never looked like missing. He just got the ball, ran through, knew what he was doing, put it away. A confidence bred of the, the goal the week before, I think. After that, the game completely and utterly died. Rangers, I think, were happy and felt that they had done the job. Thistle, I thought, played quite well, but didn't really look as though they believed they, they were going to get back into it. Although they did make some good chances, and I thought particularly... Between the 60th and the 70th minute, Rangers were very, very flat and may well have conceded during that spell, but but didn't. And in the end, as I say, almost a strange one, Stephen, in that at 3-0, I thought, oh, we're, we're on for, for five or six here minimum. And yeah. we then really did pretty much uh, stop playing with with the kind of verb we'd shown for the five minutes after halftime and the, the 25 before it. And I felt that... I understand that the players maybe there's, there's certainly been a lot of stuff going on around Ibrox, so maybe the players will just look. This is a good one, and we'll just hold on to it. And it, it's typical Rangers fans, you know, that we're, we're leaving disappointed after a three 0 But when you when you you know step back from that and thinking, oh, we could have been five or six, and you just look at the result in the context of the season, that was a, a solid seven out of ten more pleased performance. David, what I was saying earlier on that uh, that I thought in terms of the performances against us, so the two previous performances that we've had against them where we struggled and where it was a physical, scrappy game, I thought Rangers were much, much better. And I think that shows the improvement under Murty's guidance and tutelage. I think that's really quite impressive. Uh, and as you say, it was a comfortable 3 0 win. I thought it was a really good team performance. More than half of that team, I, I, I thought, played really, really well. Uh, and uh, praise particularly for uh, both for Wilson uh, and Ross McCrory at the back, 19 years old, and he looks like he was born to play there. And and if nothing else comes out of this season, I'm I'm impressed by the fact that uh, McCrory not only got the nod ahead of Bruno Alves being fit again, but but has shown that he can actually play. I think the Kilmarnock game is the only time this this season when he's when he's played, and I don't think has performed particularly well. But he was by no means alone that night, as you and I both sat there and watched in horror as mm. that unfolded. Yeah. So, uh, impressed with McCrory and Wilson. Tavernier as well, I've been a critic, but, the, but you know, has been played well and is a confidence player, and because of that is playing playing well. Uh, Jason Hall and, and Ryan Jack uh, and Candace as well, all excellent, good team performances, full of energy, full of work. No team is ever going to outwork Rangers in midfield with those three playing there, so... Overall, I'm really pleased with it, and I agree with your synopsis in the sense that once we got to three 0 the job was done, and the players took their foot off the pedal. That's clearly they they just thought, well, that's that job done. 
We'll keep a clean sheet, and uh, the rest of it was eminently forgettable. Yeah, it was it was a tough watch into that second half, but uh, I'm not going to be a hypocrite here if, if it's a case of being dreadfully bored in the last half an hour of a, a match because it's won already, then I, I will take that every week and every every Rangers match that, that I'm quite happy to do. Now, um, I, I, I would agree with the, the players that you picked out there. I want to touch upon the McCrory-Wilson ahead of Bruno Alves thing. Now, obviously, yep. Graham Murty is highly, highly unlikely to take the job. Doesn't particularly want it and, and certainly hasn't complicated matters for the board by throwing his name into the hat. So I think that, that Murty's passion remains youth development and it's something that he is quite happy to go back to and, and clearly is doing a decent job if you look at some of the youngsters that are coming through because obviously we saw last season uh, the likes of Aidan Wilson and even Miles Beerman who's kind of been written off after a couple of dodgy performances but I think still... David Bates as well. David, David Bates David. as well. I think there, there's something there with a few of those players. Um, Jamie Barjonas has just signed a new two-year deal which is excellent because he looks another Yep. talented player so that there are you know you can see the fruits of his labours as it were but he because of that there's almost a freedom to manage the way you want to because Bruno Alves not playing is a big decision and I think probably the biggest compliment Stephen I can, I can pay Ross McCrory as you're saying you know he was selected ahead of Bruno Alves I thought Wilson was selected ahead of Bruno Alves if I'm being honest I thought that McCrory would, would be playing regardless yep. and I think that that for me, shows you where he has where he has grown to in the pecking order because I thought that um, he would play regardless. And for me, it wasn't a surprise to see his name in the team sheet. It was a surprise to see Danny Wilson's. Yeah, I don't want us to get too far ahead of ourselves. The boy's only nineteen and he's only played a handful of games, David. But I don't think any Rangers fan who's seen Ross McCrory playing this season can help but be excited at the prospect of this lad because he you know we, we are looking in my view and I, you know and I'm, I'm just talking myself out of a job there in the sense that I see him as a, a future Rangers captain if he continues on the trajectory I've seen and we, we've forgotten but you know that, that young Bates got a, a, an opportunity last tail end of last season at centre half and I thought I'd done really well so clearly some of the players you've mentioned there Ryan Hardy being another one you know that the future looks pretty the future's bright as the uh, as the advertising phrase goes, in terms of those those youngsters coming through uh, and hopefully providing the backbone of of that side, and I thought David, when we dropped down to the to the bottom division, I thought that was the opportunity for us to do that, to bring and blood those younger players uh, and give them the opportunity to do that. And I think most of us think that was a wasted opportunity, but never mind, we are where we are, uh, and we do have. I'm at, well, we've clearly got a club where, where those those youngsters are seen and quoted and included in the first team squad, and that's that's really really encouraging that we're not by a product a combination, I guess, of financial circumstances and where the club finds itself. We're, we're kind of compelled to look to homegrown talent. But if it's if it's players of the quality of Ross McCrory, then you know, bring it on. Yeah, uh, for me, he is. I would say certainly the most. The most exciting youngster that we brought through, obviously not in terms of style of play because of the position he plays, but in terms of his potential and his ability uh, since Lewis McLeod. But that's countered, and I think quite correctly countered, if anyone wants to say to me, well, he's more impressive than that at this moment, simply because of the level at which he's playing, then I'd have to agree with that. Um, you know, that Lewis McLeod was a standout, but it was primarily in lower division matches and he he has um, if you like been thrown in in the first team and is really earning his earning his spurs and 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think it was a brave decision by Murty, but one born of the fact that, you know, I'm not going to be here long term. So I, I, I think Murty is conducting himself with a confidence born of the fact that it's not his first spell. He knows what the job as a temporary manager involves and uh, he's just quite happily getting on with it and, and did well on Saturday. Although I would say that I thought his substitutions didn't work out on Saturday. I thought they made as well. The while it's it's always delightful from a, an aesthetic point of view to see Nico Cranshaw. He was very yeah. poor when he came on, and he slows us down to a rate where I think we become very very easy to play against. Now the the, the other two things that I wanted to to talk about were first of all Alfredo Morelos, who mm-hmm. is clearly going through a spell where he's he's annoyed at not scoring and possibly trying a little too hard. I would like to see somebody just take him aside and say, you don't need to worry because the goals will come and you do contribute to the side. And more than a lot of strikers I can remember, as certainly in the last few years having, Morelos does contribute even when he isn't scoring. It's not a case of in a sort of Chris Boyd style that if you don't get a goal from him you don't get anything I think no. with Morelos you still get the work rate you still get his ability to chase down and to, to work defenders you still get his ability to, to link up and to be involved in moves but you could tell that there was a level of frustration to the way you could you know tell by the body language you can tell by his reaction to certain things that it's grating on him that he's not getting a goal. And I'm not going to be unhappy about that because I don't want strikers who don't want to score goals. I want strikers who are desperate you know, to be in the, the six-yard box between the posts and get those goals. But I, I do think that it would it would benefit us if someone just takes him aside and say, relax, because you're a good player, you're a good finisher, they will come. Uh, I was really hoping actually on Saturday at 3-0 we got a penalty because I thought that might be the ideal opportunity for him to, to put one away. But yeah. he just needs a goal, and I've absolutely no doubt that he'll still uh, that he'll then start firing again. But uh, what are you, what are your thoughts on that on Morelos's overall contribution and maybe this kind of dry spell he's going through? Yeah, dry spells are the, the word I would use, David. And, and all strikers go through, no matter how how good they are, all strikers do. Um, and I think it's it's helpful. First of all, I would say he does need to be played with a partner. I don't like to see him playing on his own with the, the in theory midfield players coming forward to support him or a false number nine you know he does need a partner whether it be Miller or Herrera whoever it is it doesn't matter it's nice to see Miller regenerated a, a bit and rejuvenated and I'm not sure they're a great partnership but I do think Morelos needs that partner and I think the thing that interests me about him as a player is, is his work rate because he either jogs about you know, practically at walking pace or he's buzzing around and he, he concentrates his energy when it matters, you know, so he will chase he'll chase a ball down and he, he created a goal earlier on, you remember when he nicked it off the goalkeeper mm. earlier this season so he, he's a pest for defenders and I think he does need to be sat down, I'd, I'd agree with that as well in the sense that he needs to just be sat down and assured he also he also needs to be just talked, to, you know, I don't want to see the edge coming off his game because he's an aggressive feisty young player but he just needs to avoid the daft physical confrontations because you and I know that, that referees in Scotland in terms of the way they referee our football club desperate to send them off any opportunity throwing a daft hand out or an elbow we've, we've seen far too much of that this season when it's been exaggerated and the, the level of cheating coming into the game this season has been 
depressing to watch. But, you know, they'll be desperate to send him off. So he needs to just calm that that aspect of his game down. But the goals the goals will come, David. If he's played up, up front with a partner and we, we have a decent midfield feeding the ball to him through pretty quickly, I, you know, I have every confidence that he'll, that he'll, he'll give us a very good return. If not twenty goals, he'll be getting close, close to twenty. I'd expect him to, to mid twenties at the end of the season if uh, if all things are equal and he stays injury free. I thought that Miller on Saturday was kind of back to the performances that I had seen him out of the team. To be honest, I thought mm-hmm. that there was a lot of running, but at, t- at times I couldn't tell you where he was supposed to be playing. No, he couldn't either. Uh, and then there were times that he had dropped into the middle of the midfield and we looked as though we had a 4-5-1 going on. Um, never fault him for work rate, but his passing on Saturday was, was awful. His touch was off. And unfortunately, when Kenny's a game like that, you 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 know you get a lot of running, you get a lot of physical action, but you don't really get any quality from him. And no. I, that's a, a slight concern because we do look a little bit bereft of options. And the reason I say that is... Uh, certainly under Marty. Now this obviously can change with a new manager, but Herrera has made no impact at all since he, you know, he got those couple of goals, and I thought, right, here we go. But since then, he's is a very, very limited game time, and Pena completely out of the squad uh, at the moment. There are some whispers coming that that we might not see him again, and in fact, both of them could be on their way in January. So it's interesting to see Ryan Hardy. In fact, has been given um, some game time, not a lot, but some game time. And does that speak to the fact that certainly under Graham Murty, but you know possibly going forward, that those two players have been written off as as just bad signings? Well, I hope not, David, because we invested a significant amount of money in them, and uh, you know the bulk they were the two, if I remember correctly, the two big biggest money expenditures uh, pre-season in terms of the board backing Cushinia and the the seen two the two Mexicans. Leaving in January, and I'd be I'd be personally disappointed uh, with that, and and hope that they would get an opportunity to kind of settle in and develop. It may very well be that they came on a kind of personal recommendation, and they're they're Cushinia's players, and therefore if he's gone, they will want to go. Um, and whether we re- we recoup any of the it's a thick end of four million pounds of them, if I remember correctly, that we spent on. Uh, both of them. That, I mean, that remains to be seen. But clearly, that in terms of the club's financial position, that would be that would be pretty uh, disastrous uh, were we to do that. But um, I hope, uh, particularly with uh, in, in respect to Herrera, that we that we persevere. As I said to you last time I was speaking to you, but this he's clearly not a target man. But you know, he, he's got some very nice touches and a decent attitude for a striker, and I hope he gets a run. And as you say, we, we're not exactly blessed with with multiple options up front so I would like to see us persevere without Pena I don't think you know if he, if he went I don't think anybody other than Rangers accountant and anybody looking at a profit loss sheet would would uh, would crib about it because you know after a few flashes we haven't really seen anything that justifies the thought that he could hold down a, a, a spot in that midfield I mean you look at how industrious we are, we are with Jack and Candace and Holt in, in, in the midfield then you know Penny would be would stick out in that in that uh, like a sore thumb uh, to the and at least with Nickel Cranshaw you always have the opportunity you're going to get that middle to front pass that unlock a defence a bit of craft a decent free kick etc but you don't get you don't get that um, uh, with uh, Penya so you know I'd be really quite quite worried about um, about that. 
hope. But, the, but I think we've got some squad challenges as well because if they're not there, then it shows that the, the squad's a lot thinner than yeah. it ought to be. And about uh, balanced. And, yeah, and we'll come down, I hope, in terms of getting a manager before the January transfer window into looking at maybe who we could do, who we could sign to augment that. Uh, that squad going forward. Now, uh, Jason Hall uh, is somebody I do want to give a particular mention to because I thought he was the best player in the park against Hearts and I thought he had another good game. He wasn't quite as good, but he had another good game on Saturday. And his emergence from, I would have said at the start of the season, cover and, and no more than that. And I don't really know anyone else who would have been particularly uh, in a mood to disagree with that assertion. His arrival, if you like, from cover to contender for a first team spot, genuine, you know, name that has to be considered, I think is one of the the real bonuses of the last few weeks because he's gone from being a player who could flit in and out of a game or whose work rate was good but didn't really impact onto the match particularly at times to someone who is is doing a specific role but doing it very well. It's a limited role. We're not asking him to do things that he's not capable of doing. Uh, and we're not asking him to do 10 things well. We're asking him to, to do the three things he does well, well. And he's reacted to that, I think, brilliantly. But it's not just about how, you know his touch and his performance. There's a way a, a player carries themselves. And I think in the last few weeks, Jason Holt, is carrying himself like a first-team player, whereas before he carried himself like a guy who was trying to stay in the first team. And there is a difference. And I've been really impressed with him over the last few weeks. And I think he dovetails... I think he dovetails very well with both Ryan Jack and Graham Dorans in a way that Dorans and Jack together don't. And it's one of these interesting dichotomies. We've seen it before about that there are a certain strike... I mean, going back years and years and years, you had the situation where... Um, Mark Hately and Ali McCoyst together were a better mm-hmm. option than any of the three featuring Hately, McCoyst or Johnson. Any of the other partnerships weren't as effective as that Hately McCoyst one. And sometimes players just bounce off another one and, and their game goes well. And I think that with Holt, you put him with either Jack or Dorans and it, to me so far, looks more effective than when you have the Jack-Dorans partnership. Although I would say that, if I'm being honest, I'm, you know, if you were asking me to assess which of those three is the best player, I would have, you know, Dorans, Jack, Holt in that order. But yeah, at the moment, I would be struggling to leave Holt out of the side. Yeah, agreed with that. I think it's great to see him back and, and great to see somebody who has done very little wrong when he's been in a Rangers shirt getting his own opportunity. We missed him really badly. I think the first time I really noticed it that season, David, was, was against Celtic. I mean, it was a bit of a shambolic performance at Ibrox, but I could, couldn't help thinking, and I might even have said to you at the time, that, that Holt would have, I think, made the difference between the two sides a lot narrower, you know, just with his energy. He's about to read and cover a counter-attack and, and to make the spare man and keep possession going and I think that that last point is really why he works really well with Jack because that's Jack's role and if you look at the Carling Opta percentages in terms of passes and stuff it's his ability to keep recycle possession and his pass completion really really high so if Holt's in the side along with Ryan Jack I think Jack, Jack sees it as an opportunity for him to play a little bit further forward be a bit more creative and use that passing ability and strength that he has uh, a little bit further up the park than, than just sit and keep the keep the gate closed uh, in front of the defence. So uh, there's no question in my mind. You'll remember 
the difficulty we had when Stuart McCauley and Ferguson used to play, they would kind of get in each other's way. Yeah. And I don't, I think that, that Jack and Holt have managed to, to crack that equation, even though they're similar players. And I would have no problem with both of them being in the midfield. We've clearly, David, got to see the best. We have yet to see the best of Graham Dorans in a Rangers shirt. Uh, and I hope the spell and, and a recuperation and a reintegration into the side um, will... will allow us to do that because he's a quality player and as long as he's not injured and as long as he still has the legs then you know he, he would I would expect him to be a key player for us in a way that he absolutely has not been so far in this, this season he's been the major disappointment for me this season in terms of what I thought he would do and what he has actually delivered mm-hmm. so I think that, that the equation is still to, be, still to be solved and I think as you know I'm a big fan of Candace as well uh, happy to see him in midfield because he can play up front. The quality, uh, uh, what I like about him is the fact that you know he is busy and industrious, and he does cover his ground both ways of the park. But he's, the quality of his crossing and his final ball is improving markedly, and and that's I think he could he'd be a fixture going forward as well. I'm really pleased to see that that one of Kashina's signings looks like he could cement a place in that Rangers side. So I, I, as a midfield. I would have those three and it would be AN other, probably Dorans, uh, and we'd have to think a bit creatively about uh, about uh, you know how that team is configured, but I guess that all depends on their new manager and whoever that's going to be and what uh, what he sees that as. Now, obviously, we, we will come to that, but before we leave Saturday, uh, mm. one of the kind of... You, you can't have Rangers winning without an attempt to stir up controversy, obviously, um, for me. Nope. And one of the things that I saw being reported was the alleged incident we saw a Partick Thistle fan um, thrown out of the ground, apparently, for, and this I, I say in inverted commas, uh, for waving a salt tyre. And when you hear that, of course, uh, on paper, as... You know, that's reported. You you read that and you think, well, that's shocking. You know, I mean, imagine, you know, being thrown out for for throwing a, for waving a Scotland flag during a Scotland match. That yep. that wasn't actually what happened. What happened was that the fellow had a Scotland and Catalonia flag or a Catalonia flag, and um, on the salt tire was uh, yes, you know, very in, in the logo of the the Scottish independence movement. So yep. I believe that at firstly. It always seems to get blamed on Rangers fans. This, you know, guy throwing out the ground. Uh, it's not us who do that. It's not no. the support. We don't. We don't have people throwing out the ground. I wish we could. Um, Just but, as well, man. Yeah, uh, but but we're not. An we're, empty Broomland. They've been empty Broomland stand uh, twice a year for sure. Uh, absolutely, and uh, so that that doesn't happen. We we don't have that power, sadly, to throw people out of the ground. So you know, a decision like that is taken by stewards and the police. And to be honest, the people who are most at risk have been thrown out for nothing at Ibrox. Our Ranger supporters, uh, as we've we've found out over the years. <laughs> That we're the ones who kind of suffer under that jackboot a little bit more than any others. But the reason he was thrown out was quite clearly because it's the political banners at a ground thing. Now, we know that that argument about when you're allowed to use it and when you're not um, depends on the colour of shirt that you're wearing in Scotland. We know that. But in this incident, I think a lot of it was to do with his timing of it because it was brought during uh, the Remembrance Day celebrations, which, as usual at Ibrox, were beautifully and immaculately observed and a wonderful display in the Sandy Jardin stand and obviously what uh, obviously it's a question of timing and Uh it's a question of what exactly the reaction he was looking to get was Uh, 
personally, I think it's an odd thing to take to a football ground. Um, it, it wouldn't occur to me to turn up with uh, a no banner or a, a you or I, you know, much as we are uh, committed to it. I don't think either of us have, have thought of turning up at Ibrox with a Vote Labour banner. So uh, even Scott, you know, um, most weeks leaves his Margaret Thatcher forever uh, T-shirt in the house. Um, so it... it, it it was a kind of strange one, but yet, as I say, the undertone being that this poor fellow was, was thrown out of the ground by Nasty Rangers fans for the audacity of, of waving a saltire, it, it simply wasn't true. And what it was was clearly a kind of somewhat pathetic attempt to deflect attention from... Uh, you know, from from a significant event that was going on. An event, incidentally, that was mirrored uh, every ground... Uh, in the UK uh, at the weekend and uh, in fact was was marked by every club wearing a poppy except one club who have no class and don't know how to behave mm-hmm. well I mean my, my thoughts on this David I think are the same the same as most decent people and if, if there is the laws need to be applied consistently and evenly to everybody including those you don't agree with so I mean if there is a ban as, the, as I believe there is on Certainly at a UEFA level on, on political what they call political banners. What they what they have in mind there are things to do with let's say Catalonian separatism or political causes. Then a ban is a ban is a ban and that means everybody is banned from any political expression. Now, I think the challenge that, that we've had is that there have been numerous expressions of political uh, views articulated uh, huge banners, particularly at Celtic Park, and particularly by, the, by our friends in the Green Brigade who believe that it's, it's their right to express their support for violent Irish republicanism or their support for Scottish independence or for Catalonian independence or whatever it might be. And actually, if the law says that that's not the case, it's not the case, and therefore the, certainly the club shouldn't be enabling that, as I believe Celtic have done, and the second, that the authorities should be enforcing that because... If that's the case, then it's about the politics you don't agree with that, that, that matter. You know, that's a, that's your test, your acid test of liberal society. Personally, you know, I'm not a supporter of Catalonian independence. I understand many of the arguments around it. But, you know, there's an economic selfishness and a narrow nationalism that, that I have a concern with any more than I'm a supporter of Scottish independence. But if... If Rangers fans are going to be pulled up for expressions of unionism and, and denied the opportunity to have banners into grounds that express that, or let's say support uh, for Northern Ireland remaining part of the United Kingdom as a big section of our support uh, believes and supports in, then that's fine. But we, we want the same standards applied to everybody, and there either is a blanket ban on political expression at football grounds, or we take a more grown-up attitude to it and say it's allowed as long as it doesn't encourage, let's say, racism or fascism or any of the any of the stuff that's that's clearly beyond the pale. So, I think uh, we're, we're just looking for, as we always do in this circumstance, consistency, fairness, uh, and, and equal treatment. I don't particularly care. I'll be honest. If someone, as you say, wants to turn up, and I, I think it's this week's cause du jour and I have absolutely no doubt that the uh, Ruperts and Tarquins in the Thistle support were uh, you know very keen to because this week it's Catalonia they're they're all suddenly huge you know uh, followers of Catalonian independence and you know bringing a a, three year old yes 
flag to a to a football match, I, I just think is is you know beyond sad to be honest. But uh, if that floats your boat, go for it. But you're right, there are rules. You're not allowed to do it. It works both ways. And if you were asked by the police not to fly it, which is what would have happened, let's you know, let's not pretend for a second that they saw this and threw the guy out immediately. That that. It's highly unlit. Much as you know, we all know the police are incredibly heavy-handed at football matches. The banner would have been taken, and then the person obviously has kicked off and has been thrown out. So it's, uh, I think, a rather pointless thing to do. Uh, you can't claim that turning up with a, a you know, a, a yes banner is not political because that's entirely what that logo was for and what what it relates to is, is a political movement. So. It's it's foolish. It's designed to get attention for the person doing it. And as I've always said to me, it, it, it's a lack of it's a, a lack of ability to see yourself because you are a walking cliche. If you're a Partick Thistle fan uh, who has a who has a, a banner that's got a Catalonia flag and a and a Scotland yes flag, then you you are a cliche. You know, you you absolutely are. As I've said before, you are absolutely a, a kumquat eating, uh, craft beer drinking toss pot. And I know everything about you and every opinion you have before you open your stupid West End mouth to to say it. And it was it was quite apparent. And you can just see him sitting in the pub afterwards, going, "Hey Rebecca, hey Fraser." Uh, I was like totally throwing out the game there. It was just such a shocker, and uh, you know th- those fuck them. You know, just just do one. You're boring. You're childish, and none of us can be arsed with your pish. So uh, I think that that's that's generally my my feeling on it as well. But I do think that the reporting of it was was interesting. As I say, the kind of undertone of look what these nasty Huns did when it was quite frankly nothing to do with us, and we didn't really give a fuck. The day that we care about what Partick Thistle do about anything or think about anything is the day that I'm going to go and take up Tiddlywinks because uh, that. that that's when it, it, it's gone beneath us, quite frankly. Aye, absolutely. I mean, it's I have a kind of <laughs> uh, healthy disdain for for what appears to be the SNP's intelligentsia. You know, they can't see a bandwagon without jumping on it. And the Catalan issue, which is a complicated one, is is rooted in, um, in economics and Spain's sense of nationalism. And I've got, as you know, I've got friends that live. In Andalusia, mm-hmm. uh, and I spoke to them about it, and and one of them being a former uh, Labour mayor of Thetford, uh, my friend Mary Page. Mary's a you know she's a Labour Party member, progressive. She's a member of PSOE over there in Spain, so she's you know she looks at things through through that lens, and she's not a supporter of Catalan nationalism, and she expresses it in terms of it being a very selfish. Thing. I mean, in terms of the yes, the, the whole yes thing, David, I mean, they just need to really, you lost, get over it, right? Mm. You lost, get over it, is a simple one. And they can cry into your soy, low-fat latte over your quinoa sandwich, mm. if you want, about that. But the fact is that we need to move on beyond this, and we need to stop, I think, nonsense about, about perpetuating it. And the SNP are only using it as, as an excuse to try and... Uh, to try and revitalise the corpse of uh, Scots nationalism, which, is, as we know, uh, in terms of the economic indicators and all the rest of it, you know, is still uh, a Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, absolutely. Now, back to football. Uh, Ryan Jack called up to Scotland squad uh, for the match against, I have no idea, Holland. There you go. Hey, <laughs> what about that? 
Vincey, ha ha, to joke. Joke Thompson, joke Thompson's bearing me, telling you I'm going, I'm going to wear a skirt and uh, show my arse to passers-by while pissing in doorways. Uh, just, just uh, make me a lieutenant in the Tartan Army. But uh, Ryan Jack called up, and uh, yeah, I think you know deserved it on form this season. I think he's, he's maybe gone off the boil the last couple of weeks. No wonder with his head being messed with the constant red card being rescinded circus yep. that went that went on around him. But uh, I, I wanted to talk about the the comments now. There's there's some been some chatter about Ryan Jack because the match is at Pataudry and incidentally I think that's something that I've long advocated that I think that moving friendlies in particular or if you like the lower interest fixtures around the country I think is a good idea uh, especially yep. because increasingly large uh, large parts of the, the Scotland support are drawn from the provincial clubs so there's to me there's nothing wrong with that and it's hardly anything new I mean I remember going to see a Scotland match at Rugby Park in the 90s you know so it's, it's, it's hardly anything new but obviously Ryan Jack Aberdeen now playing for Rangers there's obviously an issue there and it, to, to such an extent that the Scotland uh, stand-in manager uh, and performance director Enoch Powell sorry uh, Malky Mackay has said that he, he's actually had to, to to say publicly that we hope that the player doesn't get booed and that that's quite a staggering indictment uh, of the relationship between Rangers and the rest of Scotland, is it not? It's it's staggering is exactly the word I would use, David. Uh, my concern, uh, uh, you know, and, and obviously it kind of leads on from the previous conversation about the the split that the the independence referendum and the the nastiness and the unpleasantness that it engendered. I think that it lingers on. But it's also, and let's not kid ourselves here, this is also about uh, a hatred for Rangers because if you're going to excuse an inverted commas uh, behaviour or anticipated behaviour on the basis that Ryan Jack went from Aberdeen to Rangers and it's, you know, in this, this so-called rivalry that the clubs have and actually it's the sort of rivalry that Manchester United have with Stockport County, mm. then I don't really think it's a sustainable argument because the same would have applied to Barry Ferguson, to Ian Black, to Lee Wallace, to Alan McGregor uh, as well, all of whom were booed, playing for Scotland, and, and let's face it, all of them were booed by a section of Scotland support that is motivated by jealousy, envy, sectarianism, call it what you will, but it's about Rangers, it's about them playing for or having played for Rangers. So that's a that's a major, that schism between our club and our support and, and the Scotland support, and I, I remember when I was a kid, Rangers fans formed the bulk of the Scotland support, and we still have provided more international footballers for Scotland than any other football club. We have a line rampant in the middle of our club badge. Rangers are a quintessentially Scottish and British club, but there's a real danger now of that, that being totally separated. And the fact that neither you or I, both of whom are football men, could think who Scotland were playing in an upcoming friendly, I think tells a very interesting tale. I grew up, and people ask me this, you know, we, we have actually a, a question and answer the pod coming up during the international break, and people ask me, you know, were you ever a fan of, of international football? And yes, I was a huge fan of international, huge Scotland fan growing up, and one of the things that I always enjoyed about it was the putting aside of rivalries, and maybe it's because I was younger and more naive, more idealistic, but I, I always had the impression that it was very much, right, we, we put aside our club our club differences for this 
Mm-hmm. And we go and we, you know, we all follow Scotland and we want to see the best team picked and we want to see the best players, etc. And obviously it was a more exciting era, um, uh, you know, when you, you could call the, the type of players that Scotland could call back in those days, um, then obviously it, it would be something of huge interest. But, but it was genuinely and everyone kind of mucked in together and pulled together and it felt like that and I liked that. But increasingly, and I'm sure that, you know, fans of, of Diddy Clubs will... Uh, will point to say, oh well, it was soonest and it was you spending and you did this and you did that. But there increasingly became this as in them point to the point where I just felt I don't feel welcome in this. And more importantly, I began to feel that if they uh, they wanted a double standard and that they wanted to be able to you know boo our punity, uh, boo our players with impunity or behave badly and disrespectfully towards us as Rangers fans in that community, but we weren't allowed to turn around and say, well, you know, hang on a minute here, hasn't something been lost? And I think for a, a group and a support that pride themselves on their good behaviour and their inclusiveness and their friendliness, I think that's a glaring contradiction right at the heart of it. The fact yeah. that while you're you know so proud of going around the world and making friends again in inverted commas and uh, you know being ambassadors for the country and all that, which is great and a, and a good intention and something that you should want to do, but against that, well, yeah, you have people in your own country who don't feel welcome, who don't feel a part of it, and you have the situation where a player from your country, from one of the major clubs in your country, being called up, the manager has to uh, refrain from from calling. You know, put his phone down and refrain from calling people of other nationalities by offensive stereotypical names um, and actually come out and say, we, you know, please don't boo this player. And, and to me, I think that's, that's like I say, it's a, it's a dreadful situation to be in. And like I say, years, I remember after having drifted away from Scotland, I decided, you know, this is ridiculous, I'm going to go along and I'm going to try and um, get back into this. I have as much right to watch to watch Scotland as anyone else. All that kind of stuff. And uh, Ian Murray was playing for Scotland at the time. I remember sitting about me at Hamden. He, he misplaced a pass. As unfortunately, Ian Murray was wont to do. You know, he wasn't a world beater. I think we all know that. But he had been selected, and therefore he was wearing the shirt, and therefore you get behind him. And he you know, misplaced a pass, and you know, dozens of people around me are stupid hun. And you're kind of like, you know, how how would you guys feel if I sat here and a Celtic player mispass, misplaced the pass and I shouted out, you know, stupid, you know, F union yeah. word? You know, yeah. you would be very upset, quite rightly, um, with me for doing it because I was clearly not able to leave my baggage at the door. And uh, of course, that's not something we would do. It's not something I would do. It's not behaviour that is appropriate to the, to to that ground. But it's. It is that double standard of look how great we are, look how inclusive we are, look how open we are, um, fuck the Huns, we don't want them involved and we don't want them following the team. And I, I, I do, I find it ridiculous. And the other side of the coin, something that I, I also find quite offensive, are if you like the... There's nothing wrong with being a Rangers supporter, by the way, who follows Scotland, that's your right and you're entirely welcome to do so, and you should because you know it's your country and you reclaim it, but don't be a tame Hun. Don't be one of these ones that goes, well, I'm a Rangers fan, but I'm all right. Fuck that, right? You know, get off your knees. And if you hear that sort of behaviour, deal with it and either make your decision. If it offends you, you say it offends you. Um, For me, it offended me so much that I just got up and went. I was like, I'm not putting up with this shite, you know? Um, But for Rangers supporters, if you wish to be part of the Tartan Army, then I think you've got to be vocal about it and say that I'm I'm not prepared to put up with this. And... I wasn't. I made the decision to walk away from it. If your decision is that you're going to stay, then you've surely, if you, you stay in an organisation where there's something wrong, you've got to stay and, and, and fight it. I didn't care enough to do that. Um, and at the time, you know, obviously I was involved in the trust and had, had 
you know, bigger battles at home, if you like, kind of thing. So uh, it, it's an interesting one. And I, yeah. I, like I say, I would hope that, it, that we all know it's going to happen. And I think it's a, a sad reflection that um, Scotland uh, managers have to have to come out and ask this before they select players from Rangers. Because in the next few years, more and more players will be getting selected. McCrory's a, a good example of someone you would hope would go on and get caps. And what's going to happen when we have these young star players coming through? Do, do they face a kind of trial by fire playing for the national team? Because that that's not on. No, it isn't. And and your your patriotism oughtn't to be questioned in in, in that way, David. And nor is is uh, you know being patriotic about being a Scot and you know supporting the United Kingdom, a Great Britain, Northern Ireland. Those are not incompatible positions. And it's a, there's a rich irony here, isn't there, that Malcolm Mackay, who let's you know let's not mince words, is an anti-Semite, a racist, a misogynist, a homophobe, uh, and an ex-Celtic man is is having to defend. A Rangers player potentially from the the very real prospect of abuse. He wouldn't have said anything if there wasn't if it hadn't been the talk of social media amongst the sort of people who are going to abuse Ryan Jack. So therefore, what they're saying is, no matter how well he plays, because he is now a Rangers player, I'm going to abuse him because there's a green light there, and that's because our assigned role in this society that we're in is we're the bogeyman. You know, we're the we're seen as, as almost like a hybrid between a Viking raid and a BNP meeting, you know, and it's a, it's an absolute fallacy. It's completely untrue and a disgrace. But that's the that's the common parlance, and that's what what explains why people are given license to to use sectarian abuse about Rangers fans. Hun is an anti-Protestant epithet. It's sectarian. There is I don't care how it's misused. It is. It's not a word that Rangers fans use to describe themselves. And the fact that our feelings and our views on that are just disregarded, I think, is symptomatic of that marginalisation and caricature of where the Rangers support finds itself. It's an absolute double standard. And the, the problem I think I have, David, is that we're going to end up in the same position, I think, as, as essentially as the Manchester United support has in England for a whole variety of reasons. They would, they would find themselves, because of how successful the club was, abused and, and not welcomed amongst the wider England support. So they just went, shrugged their shoulders and said, well, club over country every time, shrugged their shoulders, walked away from it. And their support, no matter what you feel about the club, if you go to an away game United involved, you know they're there. They back their team 100%. They're extremely vocal and they're extremely parochial in their, their support for Manchester United club over country every time. Uh, and that that is where I, I think the Rangers support is going to end up unless something pretty drastic happens. Personally, you know, politically for me, I'm a socialist and not a nationalist, you know, which is why I have a problem with the SNP. But we're going to end up, I think, in a, uh, painted into a corner here unless something pretty drastic happens. I, I don't have an easy answer to it, but that's the journey we're on at the moment. The other thing about this, just before we move on, is uh, Chris Boyd, who... Mm. Uh, uh, who is a, a part-time Kilmarnock footballer and full-time uh, Rangers uh, pundit um, for the national yes. media these days. And Chris Boyd's comment about Ryan Jack was, why is he being selected? He's had more red cards than good performances this season. Chris Boyd is so the that's captain. One, that one red card well, then, David, because he's had one red card. He's had one red card, two rescinded, one against Chris's club when Chris, who's the captain of that club, one of his players um, behaved disgracefully to get yep. a, a, another pro sent off. But surely, surely there is something about... Now, if I was a Kilmarnock supporter, I would be really royally fucked off about the amount of time that this guy spends 
talking about another football club in the same division. But on top of that, this is it's not the done thing. And since when did players who are currently playing feel free to pass judgment like that on other players? It should be remembered as well that you know Chris Boyd uh, wasn't exactly. Dennis Law when it came to pulling on a, a, a navy blue shirt either uh, and I think that the criticism while being first of all wrong, uh, just simply mm-hmm. wrong, was incredibly disrespectful from, from one pro to another and I would almost forgive it were it a professional Tim or an extremely bitter no. halfwit a la John Hartson but yep. for a guy who is being invited onto these shows because of his supposed Rangers man credentials, I thought that comment was absolutely pathetic. Yeah, he's a poor man's uh, Chris Sutton, David. He's, you know, I'm, and I'm thinking back. It's not that long. It's only a couple of weeks ago I actually applauded him off the park. You know, when we played, uh, we played Kelly midweek, uh, and I wish I hadn't done that because he's clearly an attention seeker, uh, a profession. You know, his opinions are. Part of the reason why, I guess, his opinions are sought is that they are hostile to and unfriendly to Rangers. You know, they're extremely parochial. But you're right, it's, it's you know, I mean, the guy plays... If you're a Kilmarnock fan, if you were watching the game at Ibrox, you'd be going, well, this is a guy who is, gets, gets to commentate on, pass judgment on Rangers, and he's playing against them now. Mm. Now, I don't think he played very badly against us the other night, but but you know, have to talk about you know, about the kind of peculiarity that the Scottish media don't believe they can find anybody more qualified, more articulate, or you know more even-handed uh, than Chris Boyd to pass judgment in Rangers Football Club. It's bizarre. Yeah, we spoke earlier about you know Tame Hunt, uh, and he's he's certainly aiming for the in-house pet uh, market there with, with those sort of comments. And as I say, I just thought it was a fairly shocking thing for a for a current pro to say about a fellow current pro uh, but over and above all that it was wrong I mean it simply was incorrect and uh, there you go I mean there's Scottish football punditry in a nutshell you can come on here and spout absolute shite so long as it's anti-Rangers we're quite happy with it Uh, and it, it was just a nonsense and again it feeds into that kind of frenzy of uh, people will justify the booing of Ryan Jack with the words, well, he didn't deserve to be in the squad. That I guarantee you that will be something that's that's thrown forward and it's just complete and utter pish. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, the, as I say, e- each to their own. Um, I, I'm one of these guys who will you know, admit it, I cannot wait for the international break to be over. I find them disruptive, annoying and pointless. But, uh, you know, we shall see. Uh, that happens in a couple of weeks. Now, it would be remiss of me to finish this pod, Stephen, without asking mm-hmm. you, are you a Rangers supporter? I'll be a lifelong Rangers supporter, David. In fact, my mother was pregnant with me in 1962 watching Rangers playing, I think it was Seville. It would be August of September 1962. She was pregnant with me and at Ibrox with my father. So I've arguably have been going to Ibrox certainly for about seven, no, that's six decades, isn't it, or seven? But certainly it's, um, certainly it's a lifelong journey for me, so absolutely. Well... That's become the sort of question on everybody's lips up here because of the emergencies, Paradise Papers. Uh, one of the, the people involved in it was uh, Celtic owner Desmond Decker, um, who uh, these days uh, has uh, changed his look back from when the days when he sang the Israelites. 
He now, um, <laughs> Desmond now uh, looks like Kaiser Wilhelm. But uh, he was uh, doorstepped, I suppose is the word, by Mark Daly on his way out. Well, it wasn't at the doorstep, but, but uh, certainly Carl jumped uh, on his way into Celtic Park by Mark Daly, the BBC investigative reporter, and uh, asked about some what appeared to be on paper very dodgy tax affairs. Uh, his response staggering in its childishness, childishness mm-hmm. was to send a letter to the BBC tagging you know various people at the BBC and it opened with the line are you a Rangers supporter um, it just shows you that at that club the the, the level of paranoia knows no bounds um, now we'll be very careful here because uh, Mr Decker is obviously far richer than us far more powerful and has uh, media acolytes uh, and certainly and legal as well. yes so uh, I, I have no idea whether or not he did what uh, Mark Daly alleges that he did but what a comment you know to kick off a letter and it's very difficult to take someone seriously when the response to this sort of allegation is to try and throw up that smoke screen and we all know what the implication is that's the thing we all know what the implication is uh, and, and talk about reverting to type, eh? <laughs> well, having done it to Mark Daly as well, that's the bizarre thing, you know. That, that this is the this is the filmmaker behind the men who sold the jerseys. Who, let's just put it this way, didn't exactly do Rangers Football Club any favours at all in that. So, I mean, it's the, it's the it's like accusing Tommy Boyd of being uh, of being a hunt uh, would be would be a, you know the equivalent of it. And as you say. Um, Rich people, when they're hiding their tax affairs, David, don't like to be questioned about these things. Please leave me alone and just let me dodge as much tax as I can, appears to be the default position. So I think uh, I think Dermot is uh, exactly the same in, in, in that regard. Uh, I'm not say too much because we'll get into very political territory very quickly. Yeah, exactly. But, but and, and very we, as I say, we don't we don't know what what uh, all we all we have to go on are these reports, and uh, that I'm sure that the good thing about it is that when it comes to Celtic and tax, they have around about sixty thousand tax experts that go every week. Not to whom I can never, but forty thousand tax experts and some tax expert banners on the top of the top of the stand. Yep. But uh, so yep. you know, these guys who, of course, were so offended by what happened at Rangers because, as I'm sure we all remember, but hospitals, but schools. I'm sure that yep. should anything be be proven that there have been tax issues involving anyone at Celtic. Well, I, I'm sure that the moral crusaders among their support will uh, be absolutely heartbroken and will immediately call for change and uh, will question their support at the club because we all know that the moral high ground that they occupied during Rangers' travails, um, it, it, it would be uh, hypocritical to a level of, of you know, uh, unbelievable, unbelievable <laughs> scale should, the, the, as I say, these, these tax experts suddenly find that they're not quite as concerned about the poor nurses as they were two years ago, for example. Yeah. No, it'll be... I'd absolutely put the kettle on for being a cause celebrity at the next AGM. I fully expect Jeanette Finlay to raise, to raise it as a major issue, uh, and there'll be a pay-your-tax website set up to which anonymous journalists can contribute. Yeah. Uh, and no doubt that'll win an award. And there'll be... You know, and I'd expect it to be in the front page... Of every Scottish newspaper and the back page, for that matter, in exactly the same way. 
agree, David, that the um, the fact that only one football club in the United Kingdom didn't wear a poppy at Remembrance Weekend, in exactly the same way that the questions, the serious journalistic questions were asked as to why that was, what the motive and the explanation for that was. Yes, no, I'm sure we'll get all that. Uh, but I've had a very severe bang on the head this week, mate, so, you know... <laughs> But that that possibly explains my my certainty on that one. Okay then, folks, uh, that's pretty much it for this week. Now, uh, obviously, it's an international week, which means uh, the return of our uh, Q&A pod, which will be uh, with you this Friday. But, of course, as always, is contingent upon you guys sending in questions. So if you have any questions for me that you want to answer, it can be about anything at all related to football, but obviously I prefer if you stuck to Rangers. But anything you want, you want me to, to hear me discuss, please let me know. Um, my time in the trust, uh, what's been going on, the history of the pod. Uh, I know that a couple of people were were uh, intimate to me that they wanted to find out a bit, bit more about the, the pod's origins, etc. So anything at all, you just get in touch with us on Twitter using the hashtag HHpod. So that's hashtag HHpod. And uh, I'll sort out all the questions. Please use the hashtag because when I, when I come to collate them all together, that's uh, far easier and it means you've got far less chance of being missed. If Twitter's not your thing and you want to, to use the Facebook, then just go to Facebook and search for Heart and Hand Rangers Podcast and uh, pop your question up there. I'll be more than happy more than happy to answer any of those. Uh, then next week we will have one of our special pods uh, detailing something back from back in uh, Rangers, Rangers history. That's something to look forward to. And then obviously back before the next home match, uh, which is in a couple of weeks' time, uh, we will have uh, our usual preview pod, so all of that to, to look forward to in the next couple of weeks, so please get in touch that way. You can also visit our YouTube channel, which uh, now has its own proper proper URL, which is just uh, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash heart and hand pod, so that's all you need to do, forward slash C forward slash heart and hand pod when you go to YouTube and we'll pop up but you can just search and we'll pop up and there's a, a selection of really good videos there I think and even even one from the concourse at Ibrox on Saturday just before I left uh, with my immediate very immediate post-match thoughts some of which uh, I haven't watched the game back uh, I changed my mind about and uh, that's something that uh, I think will be a theme this season I think it's always interesting to compare the feelings on 90 minutes and then the feelings a day or so later after having watched the game back on TV I think that that provides an interesting sort of uh, counterpoint to that. All that it means for me to do is to thank our executive producer in London, Mr Mike Lee and Mr Paul Miles, to thank my guest, Mr Stephen Smith. Thanks a lot, David. Hopefully next time we have a conversation, we might be closer to appointing a manager. That's uh, that. That's the dream, and that is something that, uh, as I say, we've, we've kind of not not got into today because we we did a lot on the pod uh, last week. But uh, we'll we'll have more on that. And should anything happen uh, in this next few weeks, we will have a, a breaking news pod and uh, obviously a break video. So so please be aware that we we won't leave you kind of uh, hanging on that one, as it were. We'll, we'll get that information. Out or we'll get our, our thoughts on anything that happens with that out to you as soon as possible. Okay, and folks, my name's David Edgar. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and I'll talk to you again on Friday. Cheers, bye. Network.